From the nation's capital to the sunshine state. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning. It is Friday, a beautiful day. I love that opener. I love that, uh, that, uh, I guess it's a British accent. Uh, I've got a British wife. She's from Northern Ireland. That's not her, but it reminds me of that uh, beautiful accent there. Hey, good to have you with us. This is a splendid, beautiful, awesome day, uh, to be alive, to be a Catholic. And, uh, thanks so much for joining us today for GRN Alive Friday. It is uh, Friday of the third week of Easter, so happy Easter to you. It's also the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, May 1st. And uh, I have a, uh, and by the way, Cecil, good morning. How are you? Uh, good to see good you. Good morning. I'm doing well. Uh, Cecil is here with us, and uh, she's been working on a project all week for her school. <laughs> so, uh, And uh, Diane Xavier is here. I was just telling Diane, Diane does such a great job on mm, social media. She does. We are on YouTube and Facebook and uh, Twitter as well. She puts up a lot of images, and so if you are able, and uh, I know fewer people are driving around these days than typical. There's, uh, it's kind of weird actually. There's mm. not as much traffic and, uh, uh, see, if you want to sit in front of your computer and watch the show and not just listen to it, you can do that. Uh, just the, the, uh, tagline or the handle or whatever is GRN online. I, I have a little prayer. It's kind of like a, a memorari to St. Joseph that I came across that I want to pray here at the beginning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, most pure spouse of Mary ever virgin, my loving protector, St. Joseph, that no one ever had recourse to your protection or asked for your aid. Without obtaining relief, confiding therefore in your goodness, I come before you and humbly implore you, despise not my petitions, foster father of the Redeemer, but graciously receive them. Amen. That, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Doesn't that sound like the memorari, but just kind of the... Uh, I, when he started praying it, I was like, wait. <laughs> wait <laughs> that sounds familiar. Like, Hold on a second. <laughs> All right. Today's also the day, and I know you know this, they're talking about this on just about every show on Catholic Radio. It's the day that our country and other parts of the world, like Canada, Canada are going to be reconsecrated to Our Lady, uh, uh, our Blessed Virgin Mother, as Mother of the Church. And I'll tell you more about that in a second, because uh, you can listen to the radio and uh, participate that uh, later on today. And all the dioceses, I think, across the country are doing something as well. And let's see. Speaking of social media, uh, we are unveiling, and I, I feel a little guilty about uh, about talking about this, and I'll tell you why, but we have a brand new website, Woo. okay? Now, the, the URL is the same, grnonline.com, but if you go there, you know, after the show, don't go there yet, if you go there after the show and check it out, uh, Joe McLean has been tirelessly working on this, I mean, literally for months, and it's ready for you to visit. Now, when you get there, uh, you're going to see something pop up on the top left of the screen, and it's going to say, you know, can we access your location? Now, of course, you don't have to say yes, but if you say yes, you don't have to say it. You, you, you click it. <laughs> you can say it as you click it if you want. But uh, if you give them permission, then it's going to always uh, kind of revert to your local station. Okay, so if you're in D.C. or Alabama, you're, you're not. You're going to get information locally. Okay, if you don't, then you're going to get network information. So we recommend you do that. But uh, if you don't want to, that's okay. I feel guilty because Joe has given me permission to kind of make the big announcement. You know, rather than holding on to it till Monday. And, and you I, did not do a thing. I didn't do a thing. <laughs> I did not do one thing. I, I looked at it. And I gave a little bit of feedback, but uh, Joe hey, Joe did a great job on it. And I'm sure there maybe were some others that helped him as well. But anyways, grnonline.com is the website. Uh, you're also going to hear about a Guadalupe Radio Network online auction very soon. Okay, this is going to be pretty exciting. We've never done this before. A lot of auction items, uh, religious art and jewelry, along with some sports memorabilia. And I was kind of quizzing Diane before the show. Diane's a big sports fan. Okay, Dr. Malloy, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'll ask you this question, okay? I'm going to put you on the spot. Sports question, okay? Uh, you know Roger Staubach, right? Sure. Okay, so he was quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys for a number of years, won two Super Bowls. And uh, we're going to go, it looks like we're going to get an autographed football by Roger Staubach for this auction. So, but what's the connection between him and the month of May? Um, I, 
Uh, well, he's he is Catholic, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's Catholic, is and the, uh, do, they're do very. You know about the Hail Mary Pass. Are you familiar with? Oh, that? Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm from Notre Dame, I should oh, know. Oh yeah, of course, of course. But uh, yeah, Hail Mary Pass, most one of the most famous plays in the in the history of of the NFL. And so, anyways, so what year was that? Uh, 72, 71, See, guess, I guess the Minnesota Vikings. It I was. was too young. Yeah, yeah, I was I was still maybe in diapers. I'm not sure. <laughs> but we also have uh, I remember uh, it. Uh you remember the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no you exactly. don't. You remember by watching it on YouTube. Uh, uh let's see, crucifixes and religious art and all kinds of great stuff and so uh, anyways, it, it, the more information, I'm sure Joe will talk about it cuz Joe's organizing that as well. Joe is just doing uh, a lot of work for the GRN. We all are. All right, today, May 1st, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central. EW10 is going to be airing the consecration of our country to the Blessed Virgin Mary as Mother of the Church uh, with Los Angeles Archbishop Jose Gomez. And uh, there are going to be similar consecrations in just about all the dioceses and archdioceses across the country today. And Joe Schuler from our D.C. office said that Archbishop uh, Gregory is going to live stream a consecration from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception today at 3 o'clock Eastern for those who want to watch that, especially if you're in the D.C. area, Virginia. And that's uh, a pretty special day. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's awesome. Yeah, very nice. All right. The uh, Canadians, too, right? Yeah, Canada. Yeah, yeah. So, um Anyways, it's it's pretty special. We talked a little bit about it last week as well. What exactly a reconsecration means? Uh, you know what what happens, and uh, but it's it's a special day for sure. There there this is going to be the third time, right? And now our guest is speaking on this, right? Uh, no, not specifically. No. Okay. Yeah. yeah we, so I think this is the third time. There was uh, once early, and then there was another one. I think under Pius the Eleventh. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And then. Um, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting this. Uh, there's, there's one in Baltimore, yeah, early on, okay. and then we, we, I believe we asked under um, one of the popes in the middle 20th century, and then now again. Okay, okay, but it's it's pretty rare if it's only happened three times. It's, it's not it's too still, often. Yeah, pretty rare. All right, uh, I also want to tell you, there's a big Catholic family conference that's going on beginning tonight and all day tomorrow, and it, uh, it's going to start with a mass this evening. Celebrated by Bishop Stro- Joseph Strickland, who was a guest on Joe's show uh, this last Monday, followed by a special consecration by Bishop Strickland, continues tomorrow with talks by a whole bunch of speakers. Now, this cool thing about these conferences these days is that you don't have to have everybody in one location, mm-hmm. so you can get a lot more speakers. I mean, Dr. Scott Hahn, Lila Rose, Father John Paul Mary from EWTN, Stephanie Gray, Matt Frad. And a gentleman who we're going to speak to at the end of the hour, uh, Matt Walsh. I don't know if you've heard of Matt Walsh or not. No. Uh, he's uh, kind of a rising star. He's a Catholic gentleman, talks a lot about politics and culture, and uh, has a pretty big presence on, on social media. And uh, he and Do- Dr. Janet Smith uh, tomorrow are going to have a panel discussion called Combating the Culture. So if you want to find out about this conference, go to CatholicFamilyConference.com. And Matt Walsh will join us at the end of the show. And then uh, after Sissel's newscast, we're going to be joined via phone with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. He is executive director of EWTN News. And uh, we're going to talk about what is pretty much on everybody's mind these days. And that is the opening up of masses uh, and public celebration of masses, I should say. In a lot of dioceses, they're all starting to, you know, kind of at least phase things in. Uh, and also the, the kind of the tension between religious liberty uh, and some of the restrictions that many governors and city and civil uh, authorities are putting on. And some of them are pretty draconian, I must say. Uh, I've got a few examples of uh, states that are really putting the clamps on things. You know, they're allowing you to buy dog food and alcohol, but no masses. I mean, it, it, some of it doesn't make sense. And so Dr. Bunsen's going to weigh in on that. And so uh, we always enjoy your participation. I'm not just talking about Dr. Chris Malloy. I'm talking about uh, you, dear listener, 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Call us and let's let us know what's on your mind. And Cecil, as always, has been digging up some news stories. So Cecil, what's in the news? Well, first off, um, uh, Joe Biden has officially come out and is uh, categorically denying the sexual assault allegations that have um, happened during his presidential campaign uh, by a former Senate aide, Tara Reid. Um, so he's come forth and he's denied the allegation. Um, and he was originally not going to say anything about it, but he decided he had to, given the circumstances now where he's running. So um, 
Then also, like you mentioned, states are slowly starting to phase things in, uh, Texas being one of them. Um, so masses are starting to open up. Public masses are starting to happen again. Um, limited capacity again. Kind of, I think this 25% is what's happening in the area, our area here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, but several other states are also opening up as well, slowly but surely. Um, so those include Minnesota, Iowa, Idaho, Georgia, Montana. These are not like heavily populated states. Texas is the most mm-hmm. uh, yeah. populated state that this is happening in. But then, interestingly, um, Dave, you sent me this story this morning, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so in Michigan, there was a protest because they've had a stay-at-home order for quite yeah. a while, like everyone else. And they apparently there was some talk about it being extended a little bit more. It was supposed to come off this last weekend. And a protest that wasn't just a protest with signs. This was a protest with guns. Yeah. And it got a little bit interesting. Well, they might have open carry there. I don't know. Yeah. In Texas, you have open carry, so you sure. can walk around with a sure, gun. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, it's just a little interesting to do at a protest yeah. asking for, yeah. for um, uh, uh, basically demanding that the stay-at-home yeah. order be done and they're allowed to you know, do, go out and do things again. So, yeah. <laughs> what all came right. of it? Uh, well, I think they yeah. eventually dispersed yeah, and disperse. they were there. But, uh, again, I don't know if it was illegal or not. I know in Texas, you know, you can go to a right. protest. You can have a, you know, uh, a gun. You can have anything you want. Not familiar and, enough with Michigan's uh, laws. But, but uh, you know, I will say, and, and I, I don't... You know, in in the, even in the Dallas and Fort Worth diocese, they have very different policies. Fort Worth has opened up masses uh, on a limited basis, like right. you say, twenty five percent. Our uh, we belong to an ordinariate parish, and so we're not really in a in a in a diocese like that. I'll but, be there uh, this Sunday. Yeah, the, the ordinariate opened it up on Thursday, and my wife, God bless her, as soon as she got the email she, that day, they on Thursday they had a mass, and she was there. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. And uh, you know, I think that's uh, you know, we really can. It's kind of a gut check. It's like how much do we love the Eucharist. Like, how excited do you get to get back? And I know a lot of people listening right now are in states where it's not going to be available. It's not going to be available in the Dallas Diocese this right. weekend, but in Fort confessions, Worth it will. Confessions and... Confessions. Something else. And are, are uh, oh, are weddings, funerals, gotcha. uh, are, are starting to be opened up. Okay. But of course, social distancing and uh, and things adoration, like that. Adoration, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, adoration as well. So, alright, uh, if you want to talk about what's going on in your state, your diocese, uh, Dr. Matthew Bunsen is going to join us in, in just a moment uh, as well, but there is some tension with religious liberty issues. I'm going to give you a few examples when we have Dr. Bunsen on uh, to show you that uh, in some cases it just doesn't make sense what some of these civil authorities are uh, classifying as essential and non-essential. But uh, more on that in just a minute. Uh, quick break, and we'll get Dr. Matthew Bunsen on the phone and uh, talk to him and hopefully talk to you as well. 877-757-9424. Why did we choose Our Lady of Guadalupe as the patroness of the Guadalupe Radio Network? Nearly 500 years ago, the greatest evangelization movement in the history of the Americas occurred when Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared to Juan Diego. It was the beginning of the greatest mass conversion in religious history. Would you agree that today we are in need of a similar renewal in our culture where godlessness is becoming mainstream? That is why we dedicated our radio network to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Radio is the most powerful and intimate tool of evangelization. Catholic Radio not only provides us evangelization, but it does so in an exciting and joyful way. We, together with you, our GRN family, are working to ensure that these radio waves continue to go out to millions of souls in order to be a great source of comfort, hope, and consolation. This is Len Oswald, president of the GRN, with your GRN Family Minute. All right, welcome back. This is GRN Alive Friday edition. It is now 13 minutes after the hour. Dave Palmer and Dr. Chris Malloy from the University of Dallas joins us every week. We really appreciate him being here. Cecil Anderson and also Diane Xavier, the silent one of the show, but uh, she does a lot behind the scenes. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter as well. All right, it's what, uh, you know, if you're Catholic, it's on your mind uh, today. You know, I, you're either thinking I, I'm going to be able to finally get back to public participation in the Mass or I can't Wait till my diocese or archdiocese allows us to do so, and I think we got the perfect guest uh, to join us today, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Executive Director of EWTN News, uh, joining us via phone, uh, very much social dis- distancing with us <laughs> this morning. Uh, Dr. Bunsen, good morning. How are you doing? 
<laughs> Good morning. Uh, greetings from Washington, D.C. So, yes, I think we're pretty well socially distanced. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no face mask, ne- mask necessary. Uh, all right. So political <laughs> leaders are uh, kind of opening up economies. Uh, non-essential businesses can operate. Of course, they all have different definitions of what is essential and non-essential. Church leaders are slowly opening up uh, participation, public participation of the sacraments. Uh, to provide for the spiritual well-being of their flocks, uh, the president met with 600 religious leaders uh, the other day via conference call. And I wanted as kind of a, a starting point, Dr. Bunsen, to talk about an article that was uh, published in the National Catholic Register by Father Roger Landry. It was called, It's Time to Treat the Church's Essential Services as Essential. Uh, it says, What God Provides Humanity Through the Church is as Essential a Service as Ever. Uh, some of these states we know are saying alcohol and dog food, and in some cases abortions are essential, but uh, the Eucharist is not. <laughs> and that, that creates a little tension. So what's, what's your take on all this? Well, I think you're absolutely right. And Father uh, Roger Landry, who's uh, one of those great voices that we have today of prudence, uh, he's not somebody, well, one would never use the term bomb thrower with uh, Father Roger. And I'd say that because it's uh, an important distinction to make because we've had a lot of uh, concern, a lot of hyperbole uh, surrounding this. And one of the points he's making, and I think it's the key one, is that the churches of the United States and all religious institutions around the United States really need to be considered essential services. And uh, to your point, uh, we have seen abortion clinics set aside as essential services. We've seen pot stores, in other words, a place where you can go and buy marijuana liquor stores uh, are considered essential services. So in other words, what is essential for the good ordering of society? Well, I think it's very clear uh, that religious institutions need to be considered essential services and then to work with them more closely than I think has been the case in this COVID-19 pandemic uh, in order to help people get through it. Yeah, you know, there's another priest, uh, Father Michael Orsi, wrote an article called it's time to put abusive government power into lockdown. And I'm just going to read a, a couple sentences here, and then you can comment on that, on whether or not this is just uh, kind of the same old, same old, just a, you know, a, a new chapter of the same book. Uh, he says, Today's danger is especially great for people of faith. The condition of religious institutions in, in many ways is already perilous. Since well before the pandemic, we've been witnessing a steady erosion of First Amendment religious protections, everything from trying to make orders of nuns pay for birth control to forcing Christian social services agencies to approve adoptions for same-sex couples and a whole lot more. So uh, do you see this as something unique or maybe uh, just a, another sign of, a, of the same problem of the erosion of uh, religious liberties? Well, and that's, I think we have to look at it region by region in the United States, uh, but uh, one of the concerns that has emerged right from the very beginning of this is that uh, is this crisis being used uh, as a means to push religion further out of the public square? And one of the, the issues that uh, we have to look at is and to ask public servants why exactly uh, were churches not considered essential services from the very beginning? And it's a question that isn't unique to the United States. In Italy, for example, uh, the government of uh, the Conti government, uh, which is beginning to ease restrictions on uh, its own severe lockdown across the country, somehow did not include uh, public masses, uh, the opening of churches again, in the restoration of what it considered to be the next stage for essential services. So if we're looking at this kind of relentless push that we see from some quarters uh, in the United States and Europe, to remove the influence of religion at large, but in particular the Christian faith, uh, this pandemic, I think, has been very revealing and also very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Sure, for sure. Dr. Uh, Matthew Bunsen joining us here on Girana Live, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. I told you Dr. Chris Malloy, also from the University of Dallas, uh, joining us as well. And uh, I've got a few examples. I think some of the more let's, egregious let's, let's ones. Let's see the examples. Yeah. yeah uh, and, and Dr. Bunsen, you might can think of some others. Uh, I'll tell you one of the ones that I, I find very disturbing. I don't know if you've heard about this, Dr. Bunsen. The, the city of Knoxville, Tennessee, is banning churches from serving communion. Uh, Knox County, Tennessee, which includes the city of Knoxville, has told businesses to open up on May 1st, but churches are forbidden from serving communion because it's not deemed as, quote, core worship. 
I mean, when the Eucharist is not deemed as core worship, uh, that is just craziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other example, and then I'll let you guys comment on this. Uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, this week on Tuesday, released his proposal for resuming normal life following the COVID-19 outbreak, a four-stage plan that would leave churches closed for months. Okay, so he's uh, saying, hey, we're going to open up now. Now, to be fair, he did close beaches. You know, today he's closed all the beaches, uh, which we'll see how that goes. But uh, he's saying now for months the churches may be closed. It doesn't seem, seem to be fair. And, and there are other examples. Well, what do you guys think? Okay. Here's a here's a here's a question. Uh, I, I, there are two great articles on this. If you want, like today, one treats the abstract issues, and that's uh, Father Thomas Joseph White. He's a great theologian, mm-hmm. and it's in the public discourse. There's another one by Ed Fesser, Fazer, sorry, uh, who's a great philosopher, and he's on the concrete, and he just basically says burden of proof is on those who want the lockdown. Because it's a severe measure. They might be right, but burden of proof is on them. And that's one question a lot of us have is, where's the argument? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are the numbers? But Father White makes a good abstract case, and I just want to bring this in, not as a devil's advocate so much, but he says, look, in, in terms of this essential, non-essential, he compares two weeks of going without food and water and two weeks of going without the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And we all know what the result is going to be. Right. So we know what's the better good, but but there is this question about like fundamental human daily needs. Um, we need God absolutely every single day, moment, but we also need food. And so there's a kind of a nature grace issue here. That doesn't settle the particular question here of like what Tennessee did. Mm-hmm. But that's just something I think we Catholics need to keep in mind is – there is the food and human nature needs. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Bunsen, what do you think? Well, I, I agree with that. I think we can go back to the question of what is essential and non-essential. And one of the very strong arguments that I thought that uh, Bishop Baldacchino of Las Cruces has made uh, as he has pushed forward in New Mexico to resume not just public masses but also the sacraments is that we have seen in these last weeks uh, severe social problems developing. Uh, we have seen massive increases in divorces and marriages breaking up. Uh, we have seen increases in uh, abuse, domestic violence. We've seen increases in addictive behavior from chemicals and alcohol and pornography. If there was ever a time where we needed the churches to be very present in the lives of people, it's right now. And so his argument is that uh, by having these public masses, by continuing to make the sacraments available to people in a prudent way, and and that I think is one of the keys here, uh, we can actually help people get through this in a way that they otherwise might not. That that word prudence, though, I mean, we're, we're this is the time also for the practice of the virtues. Yeah. And to exist prudently, to fulfill these functions prudently. And and we can certainly find ways as a church to cooperate fully with civil authorities, while at the same time uh, exercising our essential ministries. Father Landry made the, the, the point that we have churches that are locked, shuttered, and kept away from our faithful, while the nearby parish hall is still being used and filled with people uh, who need food and other things. That makes absolutely no sense to a lot of people. That's right. Yeah, you know, there's a paragraph. I think this is from Father Landry's article, and it goes right along with what you're saying, Dr. Bunsen. And uh, before I read this, I just want to invite anybody listening, if you have a question or a comment, Dr. Matthew Bunsen joining us uh, from EWTN News, 877-757-9424 is the phone number. And uh, he says, that's the lesson that is unwittingly taught when the church in some locales has made the decision to lock churches and forbid all access to the sacraments, except for priests, even as such decisions were not required by public mandates, sacramental life cannot be considered essential when the church acts as if it were not needed, even in a crisis, as if live-streamed masses, spiritual communions, acts of perfect contrition, and the availability of plenary indulgences are adequate substitutes. I think that's from Father Landry's article, and that's kind of along with what you're saying, is some people are getting frustrated because they're, you know, they're really eager, which is a good thing. People are desiring the sacraments and participation, uh, in, in public participation in the sacraments. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Um, and one of the things that we have seen that has uh, vexed a lot of Catholics is the willingness of uh, bishops in some places 
to go even beyond the requirements of the state or civil and, and local authorities and actually locking churches uh, and putting police cars in front of churches. Now, each decision has to be made by a bishop according to his own good prudential judgment uh, in consultation with his, his own people and with authorities. But it's been frustrating to a number of people in Italy, I know, uh, that the Italian bishops were so readily in agreement uh, to shut and lock the churches uh, to the point now that we have sort of a pushback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're seeing the Italian bishops' conference, the CEI, uh, really expressing deep frustrations uh, that as we're coming out of this now, not only were we not deemed an essential service uh, going into this crisis, but we're not even remotely deemed an essential service coming out of the crisis. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, are you are, are you familiar with the the call that President Trump had with about 600 religious leaders, including uh, Cardinal Timothy Dolan in New York, Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston, Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles? I think it happened within the last week. Uh, did, did did you hear? Uh, did you guys cover that or any any news from that yes, call? What, what what came out of that that call? Well, uh, aside from uh, President Trump describing himself as, quote, the greatest president in the history of the Catholic Church, which um, <laughs> would be unsurprising uh, to, for the president to say that, um, uh, it's, he was stressing the importance of faith uh, in the lives of people. And uh, what I found actually more significant in a way were the recent statements by Attorney General Barr, uh, in a call just last week, for example, he was stressing again the importance of religions, of religious institutions, of faith communities, as he puts it, uh, in the lives of Americans. Uh, he has also issued a, a special notification or a memo uh, to the Justice Department to be on the lookout, to be very conscious of possible threats to religious liberty. Yeah, you uh, know, that if there are special or undue burdens being placed on churches uh, that has to be dealt with yeah you know it's it's interesting i i, j- I just read an article about uh, the call with trump and these religious leaders and the the writer said trump kept going back to the pro-life cause which you know on one hand uh, it, it's great you know this this person said the the president's most frequented theme in his opening remarks was that of his commitment to the pro-life cause saying that it has quote been at a level that no other president has seen before according to everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> end quote uh, he said he said democrats quote, want abortion, and they want it now, and they want it to go up to the end of the ninth month and beyond, end quote. And it's it's kind of interesting, because oftentimes we, we've been lamenting that presidents don't talk about abortion enough, but it's it's also, uh, I guess, pleasantly ironic that he, he's inserting a lot of pro-life language in his conversation with the bishops. Uh, any, any, any comments on that? Yes. Uh, well, we have seen uh, that uh, President Trump, especially from the 2016 campaign, uh, and now throughout his uh, presidency, uh, has been trying to deliver on some of the key promises that he made to the pro-life movement. And uh, whatever one quibbles one might have on how effective some of that has been, it's unquestionable uh, that uh, he has tried to deliver on a number of key campaign promises. I think, for example, of uh, his pledge for pro-life justices, pro-life judges, uh, and efforts to do away with things like the Mexico City policy bans and things like that. Uh, so he sees this as uh, essential, one of the pillars of his reelection. And, and we've been doing polling at EWTN News with Real Clear Opinion Research. Uh, in February, we released our second poll. And what we have found consistently is that uh, Trump is definitely seen among Catholics as uh, very committed to the pro-life cause. And the group that he was talking to this last week and, and has, he has been talking over the previous weeks uh, is that core. Uh, it's a group of about 18% of all Catholics uh, who really consider themselves to be active or we refer to them as devout for want of a better term. They support President Trump in significantly higher numbers than the rest of the Catholic population. So he sees this as crucial to his reelection in exactly the same way that that group was also absolutely vital for his election in the first place. Yeah. You know, one other thing, and I just want to mention this, we don't have to discuss it because it's a little bit off the beaten path, but I thought it was interesting in this talk, and I'm sure Dr. Bunsen, you're aware of this. He highlighted his opposition to the Johnson Amendment 
which prevents tax-exempt institutions from endorsing or opposing political candidates. He describes this as very vicious, adding that, quote, I got rid of it so you can express your views very strongly, end quote. And I I don't know quite to what to make of that. It's uh, kind of like, because I, I think it's still the law, isn't it? Um, the, the, the Johnson Amendment where nonprofit agencies cannot be political. Is he saying, um, yeah, I'm not going to enforce that or what? Well, from the start, uh, he has uh, uh, been of the opinion uh, that uh, houses of worship should have greater latitude in weighing in on politics. Uh, that's, uh, I expect, something that the courts will eventually adjudicate. Uh, but he sees that, I think, as uh, the, the right and privilege of religious groups uh, to speak freely in the political space. Um, Clearly, uh, it's a gesture to, in particular, evangelicals uh, who at times can blur uh, the, the pulpit. And we have seen at the same time as well uh, some of the more progressive or left-leaning uh, churches also weighing in on political matters. So I think in, in some ways Trump is uh, simply trying to codify what has been practiced for a long time. But I think from the, the Catholic standpoint, we have to be very leery about uh, leaning in too far uh, into politics uh, where we're actually asking people or telling people who to vote for. That's something that we don't do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Certainly yeah. at EWTN, we don't. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we do have an obligation to inform people of the issues uh, that are most pressing in the country. And I, I, there's no question that the pro-life cause, uh, the issues that emerge for the culture of life versus the culture of death, have to weigh very, very significantly uh, in the mind of any voter who's trying to form their conscience properly. This is the heart. This is the heart of the matter because absolutely we can't say vote for this person, don't vote for that person. But the principles and they're they're so confused. I mean, they're they're just diffused because uh, progressives bring up maybe even good causes, but they're so minor compared to the crucial ones on the natural law. Uh, right. I mean, they just don't they don't weigh in the balance and and they and some of them are, you know, important ones. And then some of them are just prudential. Like, I mean, should we do this or that regarding immigration? That that could be a prudential difference. How about uh, minimum wage? These are prudential. Uh, you can have an argument about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but not about abortion or some of these other right. uh, essential well, that's ones. Right. Talk about essential. True marriage. Let me, because uh, we only have a few more minutes with Dr. Bunsen. I just, I want to mention also real quickly uh, that <laughs> President Tom Trump also went on Twitter on Saturday, uh, I guess a few days ago, saying that he was going to be tuning in to the live streamed mass at St. Patrick's <laughs> Cathedral <laughs> yes. on Sunday. So one person, Patrick Coffin, has already predicted that Trump's going to become Catholic. Of course, he's got a Catholic wife, and so uh, you never know. We'll see. Uh, uh, Dr. Bunsen, the time remaining, I want to ask you about your general feeling about, and I know every diocese and archdiocese is doing things differently. Even here in uh, North mm-hmm. Texas, Dallas and Fort Worth have very, very different policies as far as phasing in public participation in the sacraments. But uh, any um, any news on that, uh, a general trend, or what? What any particular diocese or archdiocese that are doing things a little bit out of the ordinary, or, or what do you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, the way to look at it is uh, it's, it's likely going to be a threefold or three channels of uh, process. Uh, we're going to have those dioceses, as we have seen uh, in Las Cruces, for example, and a few other places where the bishops are going to be moving pretty quickly or as quickly as possible, but again, prudently, uh, to resume public masses and the public celebration of the sacraments, uh, which I think is a very good thing, if it's the time and if it's certainly uh, appropriate and wise to do so. Then we're going to have some places, as we have seen, for example, in New Jersey, where Cardinal Tobin uh, has made it very clear that uh, he does not feel uh, that the situation there is opportune uh, for resuming public masses because New Jersey is one of those epicenters of uh, the pandemic. But then we're going to have a few places that we're already seeing it in Georgia, I think, in, in places like Florida and I know even in, in parts of Texas where local authorities or state authorities are going to be loosening restrictions, but the church, uh, local church leaders, local bishops will decide we're not there yet uh, for our flock. So it's going to be, at least if you look at a map, uh, it's going to look uneven, but in much the same way that the way this pandemic has played out, it's very uneven across the country, and decisions are going to have to be made regionally, 
diocese by diocese, and, and sometimes even uh, more local than that. I think this is an important moment for subsidiarity in the church to weigh in. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, there's been a lot of pushback. Look what's happening in Michigan yesterday, as uh, Cicel announced in her news. I don't know if you heard that or not, Dr. Bunsen, about the, I think you've heard about this, the people that stormed the state house in Michigan oh, against yes. the governor. That was against the civil authorities. Yeah, and I'm just down to ask you about the pushback against, uh, uh, you know, for example, uh, Catholics in the city of Chicago have formed an organization called the St. Charles Borromeo Society for the purpose of getting churches and their archdiocese to reopen their doors. They've launched a website. I, I think, mm-hmm. obviously, we don't want to take, you know, militant actions or, or demand things of our bishops, and we want to respect them. But are you seeing uh, um, organizations popping up, at least if nothing else, prayerfully asking their bishops to maybe move a little faster? Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me uh, that uh, Catholics are very frustrated. They, uh, We all miss the Eucharist. Uh, but at the same time, we have to keep going back to that uh, application and the virtue of prudence. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, I think we also have to uh, practice the, the, the cardinal virtue of temperance and fortitude, uh, that we need to have patience uh, while we're dealing with this uh, and listen to our shepherds. I think this is not a time to simply abandon our trust in the church. Uh, we're coming up on the anniversary of the 100th anniversary of the uh, canonization of Joan of Arc in 1920. And uh, she was somebody who died proclaiming Christ in his church. And I mm-hmm. think this now more than ever, we need to exercise that patience and love for the church and know that we are going to get through this at some point. It's only a question of when. Amen. Yeah. And then, and then be wary of another time around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, true. we do want to be wary of what, yeah. if there's some ma- weird, what do you call opportunism that's being taken? Well, I've, I've heard somebody say, you know, we don't want the churches to close when somebody sneezes. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah is it, is this going to become a trend well, right. that every time there's even a, a serious flu, uh, oh, we got to, you know, civil authorities close everything down. I think that's my biggest concern. I can yeah. handle what's going on now, but I don't want this to become the trend. Uh, Dr. Bunsen. And we need to be very conscious of our rights under the Constitution. Yes, uh, yes. And to defend our rights of religious liberty uh, and freedom of worship and freedom of religion uh, aggressively uh, and with the full weight of our rights as believers. Amen. Uh, Dr. Bunsen, I know there's EWTNnews.com. Any other websites where you can direct people to get up-to-date news on what's going on in the church? Uh, well, EWTNnews.com is a great place to go. We also have, of course, NCRegister.com for the National Catholic Register, CatholicNewsAgency.com for CNA. Uh, but I'd, I'd send everyone to uh, EWTNnews.com. All right. Well, you just did that. Thanks so much for your time this morning. It's been an interesting <laughs> conversation. I appreciate it very much. Uh, have a great weekend. Yep. You too. A privilege to be with you. Be safe. Thanks so much. Uh, all right, that was that was fun. Uh, Dr. Bunsen there from EWTN News. I know you got a got a split. I got to uh, run. Last uh, little pearls of wisdom before we go to break. No, I I I liked uh, what Dr. Bunsen had to say. Yeah, yeah. I do think though we need to be. I don't think there's a conspiracy on this one, but the potential. Just yeah, think about the potential. Yeah. I, yeah, that's where I am. I, I that's okay. If we do this one time, and if there's another huge one, I don't. And I'm not sure this was huge or not. I'm, I think the debate is open for that. But yeah. uh, I just don't want you know next time serious flu. You know, a lot, a lot of flu deaths, and people are like, oh my gosh, let's no longer shake and, hands. And let's look at the issues like he's saying, you know, saying depression, suicidal ideation. Yeah, there, there's a lot of issues that happen in the wake of this are we yeah. are we killing more people in in an indirect way there was a, a graph something a meme i saw on one of the social media platforms that showed the, a big spike of unemployment a spike of you know suicides a spike of depression on this chart and it said let's flatten these curves you know awesome. and so i think that's right hey good good to see you god bless Thanks so much have uh, a great weekend we're gonna take a break and when we come back uh, this is a gentleman who i uh, admire and i i enjoy following his work uh, matt walsh uh, is a, uh, a Catholic, and he's going to be one of the speakers at a Catholic family conference this weekend. And he's also uh, written a book called Cowardly, uh, Church, The Church of Cowards. Okay, there's a subtitle as well. And he's not talking about church leaders, he's talking about all of us. And my son, you know, himself included, myself included, it's pretty easy to be Christians in, in the world today. So that interview is coming up next uh, here on GRN Live. We'll be right back.
Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so that you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hi, this is John Tidwell, your station manager for Guadalupe Radio Southeast. I want to wish you all a wonderful Easter. We are Easter people, and as Luke 24 says, He is not here. He has risen. Not only that, 1 Corinthians says, And God raised the Lord, and He will also raise us by His power. So we are an Easter people, and it is time to celebrate what God has done. Thank you so much for your support with prayers and contributions, and may God bless you. Did you know that there are several ways for you to stay connected to the Guadalupe Radio Network? Visit our website at grnonline.com or hang out with us at facebook.com forward slash grnonline. You can even tweet us. Just search for at grnonline. And don't forget, you can connect to our email list with your smartphone. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. Get connected and be blessed. Instead of fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Well, welcome back to GRN Alive, and thank you so much for tuning in. I have the opportunity to introduce you to uh, somebody I really respect a lot. Uh, he is a bold Catholic, and I love following him on social media, and he's also an author of a new book called Church of Cowards, A Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians. His name is Matt Walsh, popular writer, author, podcaster, and he also, his columns on the Daily Wire have been read by Millions, as I mentioned, the book is called Church of Cowards, but uh, the main reason I have him on today is because uh, there is a conference that begins this evening and goes through tomorrow. It's called the Catholic Family Conference, sponsored by Regina Chaley Academy. It's located uh, online at catholicfamilyconference.com. And uh, he is going to be one of the speakers. Other speakers include Bishop Joseph Strickland, Dr. Scott Hahn, Lila Rose, Father John Paul Mary from EWTN, Stephanie Gray, and, of course, Matt Walsh, our guest. Matt, how you doing? Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. You know, in the uh, the bio on the website, uh, you are described as a controversial, you, you, you are known for your controversial and provocative insights into culture, politics, and religion. I'm just curious, because this is the first time I've ever talked to you. Have you always, has that always been kind of your MO as being, do you set out to be controversial or, or how, how, what is your evangelization style? Let's just say that. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I set out to be controversial at all. It's, it's just that, of course, in this, in the culture we live in today, it's very easy. Unfortunately, it's very easy to be controversial. All you have to do really is state the obvious in many cases. <laughs> um, and so it's, it, it's sort of a, sort of an easy thing uh, to, to end up being if you're, so it's it's really not any kind of uh, great insight that I offer. I don't think. I think it's just as I said. It's just sort of looking at the culture and stating the obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to thinking as I was preparing to to speak to you is that I I think and you'd probably agree with this. The authentic Christian life really calls calls for uh, us to be somewhat provocative. I mean, in that in the sense of provoking just means you're you're seeking a response. W- would you think that's true? I mean, is the authentic Christian life uh, provocative by its very nature. Yeah, I'd say so. In the sense, in the literal sense that you just mentioned, and in, in seeking a response, as you say, um, and that that is what we want. We want we want people to pay attention to our message, obviously, and uh, and to respond to it. Um, at least to, to respond to it in, in some way. To know that they're paying attention, but also, also, you know, we we're, we're told repeatedly in the Gospels, Christ tells us that uh, if we stand for truth. Um, and if we if we follow our faith, uh, we're going to be hated for it. We're going to be persecuted. So we we've been guaranteed that. There's no surprises here. Uh, and so that is 
there's no way around it, not just in this culture, but throughout history. We know that if you're a Christian, if you're a faithful Christian, uh, and if you're representing your faith publicly, there's going to be backlash. And, you know, honestly, the backlash we suffer in, in this culture is, is not nearly as bad as, a, as it has been historically or as it is for many Christians mm-hmm. you know, in other parts of the world. Uh, with the conference over the weekend, uh, you're going to be part of a uh, panel discussion with Dr. Janet Smith, whom our listeners will be very familiar with, and also Kevin Wells. Uh, I think it's uh, 4 o'clock Eastern tomorrow on Saturday. It's called Combating the Culture. And I, I find it interesting, and I, I know you tweet and you, you comment a lot about this whole coronavirus uh, hysteria that's going on right now. It's interesting, and maybe you can just combat about how the battle in the culture has changed over the last couple of months since everybody has been laser focused on coronavirus. Yeah, I think it's it's had a number of effects, obviously. Um, and I, you know, the first thing that jumps to mind, obviously, when we talk about faith and and the coronavirus, is the fact that you know, people aren't most people aren't uh, gathering anymore in, in church. We don't have that communal experience, not to mention the sacramental experience, even more important. Um, but we don't, we don't, we don't, so there's, there's, there's not that, that same, uh, community. Uh, I mean, the community is still there, but it's to, to not actually have the physical presence, uh, with each other, I think, I think makes a big difference. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of people also who feel that, you know, are, have the churches caved too easily to, to these demands, um, and just shut their doors indefinitely. And so that's that's been a that's been a a conversation as well. Yeah, the uh, the the book you wrote uh, again, provocative title, Church of Cowards: A Wake Up Call to Complacent Christians. And until I read the uh, subtitle, I thought, oh, he's you know ripping on the bishops or the leaders of the church. And I, I don't think, in the little I know about the book, I don't think you're just pointing a finger at the leaders of the church. You're really talking about all of us, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, myself included. So it's I I. I my goal is not really to point a finger at any specific person, uh, but really I'm, I'm hoping that the book will cause people when they read it to reflect um, on themselves, just as I reflected on myself as I wrote it. I mean, the fact is, when we talk about cowardice in the church, uh, yeah, there's, there's clearly a, a lot of moral cowardice in the leadership of the church, in my opinion, and uh, I think most devout Catholics would agree with that. Um, but that's the easy thing to do, really, for, for, as far as we're concerned, because that's somebody else. So we can point the yeah. finger at somebody else and say it's all their fault. Uh, and it is important to hold leaders accountable in any in any in any uh, context, uh, especially in church. But the more difficult thing is for me to say about myself, okay, wh- what am I doing wrong? Uh, there's 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 a problem of moral cowardice cowardice in the church. How am I personally contributing to that problem, and in what ways am I a moral coward? And uh, so that's that's the conversation I wanted to have around that book, and uh, I think that's the most important thing we can do. Because the other thing is, obviously, you, there's nothing that, that any individual can do. If you think that there's a cowardly leader in the church or something, or your your, your pastor that you're upset with, uh, there's nothing that you can personally do directly to make that person change. Because uh, you don't you don't have that kind of because you only have that kind of control over one person. That's yourself, obviously. So um, I think if we start there, then we could really see we could really see a change. Yeah, I had some folks in studio uh, not too long ago who are from Nigeria, and they were talking about the plight of of Christians in Nigeria. Where I don't know if you if you're aware of the situation there, where uh, Christians are getting killed all the time, and we hardly ever hear about it. And it leads me to the question, which I think you bring up in the book, is that uh, being a Christian, being a Catholic in America. It's like a cakewalk, isn't it? I mean, there's really nothing, unless we go and find the fights, we, it, we can just kind of walk through and be pretty complacent, and it's a pretty easy life if we, if we don't uh, uh, purposely um, make it not so much the case. Yeah, and that's, that's really the great, the great spiritual danger that we face in our culture, and that's why I think that being a Christian, you could argue that being a Christian in America is more spiritually dangerous than it is anywhere else, or, or, or rather, I should say that Christians in this culture face greater spiritual dangers than they do in mm-hmm. other parts of the uh, of the world. Now, the physical dangers, obviously, there's no contest whatsoever. Uh, we really face we face very little in the way of physical danger. Most of us, as Christians in the West, uh, we can we can basically go about our lives. We can live our faith. We can do all that, and we're not going to face much uh, much pushback. Um, Whereas in other parts of the world, as you point out, it's, in fact, physical persecution of, of Christians is worse now than it's ever been in history, although we don't hear about it in the media. But 
the, the real spiritual danger is just that there is, I think, in some ways, this lack of of, uh, of obstacles, and everything is so easy, so we can just sort of float on the tide of the culture and become very relaxed and complacent and go wherever the culture takes us. And uh, in this case, it floats us right into sin and temptation, and it's very easy to end up doing that. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's that's the danger we face. Mm-hmm. Matt Walsh is my guest here on Jiren Live, and. Uh his book is called Church of Cowards, A Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians. He's going to be one of the speakers at the conference this weekend. Starts tonight with a mass. Uh, Bishop Strickland is going to be celebrating that mass. Of course, it's it's all virtual. Uh, you can go and register. My family and I have registered. Uh, Matt and I actually have something in common. We both have children at Regina Chaley Academy. They're the ones that are putting this event on CatholicFamilyConference.com. CatholicFamilyConference.com. A lot of uh, great, great speakers. And this is... Um, I, I guess when we're doing things virtually, Matt, it's easier to bring people together, and uh, you see these conferences going on, and uh, speakers that you typically wouldn't see all together in one location. I guess the the virtual route does allow for, in some ways, better conferences, doesn't it? Yeah, well, this is one advantage. I mean, I I, I personally love going around and speaking and things. And I, I I prefer to be to be in person doing the doing it in the physical way with with people really there, but. But there is an advantage here. Like you said, I think that uh, getting all of these speakers together for one conference would be very difficult to do if, if, if everyone had to physically gather in one spot. So it's kind of, you know, making lemonade out of lemon thing. And, um, and I get, and I, you know, I know that RCA, Regina Chaley, they, they put together this conference, you know, in a matter of weeks. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I'm excited to be part of it and then also to attend it myself and watch all the other speakers. Yeah. Have you, have you found it interesting? You know, we talk about the, the whole COVID-19 and that's everybody's just talking about that all the time. But in the meantime, some of these other issues that, you know, three, four months ago we were really wrapped up in, like the LGBT agenda, that's kind of taken a back seat now. The, the gender issues, you don't hear much about these anymore. Maybe you do. I don't see as much about it. Uh, uh, you know, Father James Martin, you hardly hear his, his name anymore. You know, bathroom issues. I mean, do, do you find that these issues, it's kind of proof that they're not that important because as soon as a crisis comes, nobody talks about them any longer? Yeah, that has been interesting. And, and, and you know, as someone who's in the media and I'm, I'm wrapped up in the news every single day, uh, it, it, yeah, it has been, it's certainly been all coronavirus all the time. No one is talking about anything else with, with a few exceptions. Um, and yeah, that, that, that kind of makes you think that people are recalibrating their priorities a little bit. And I would like to think that it's even a, a bit of a permanent change in some ways and, and that some of the frivolous things people have, have, um, have gone on about, you know, that, that, that uh, there's a change to that. I, I don't think that'll be the case. I tend to think that once this, once this is passed, whenever that is, we're going to go back to those old fights. And of course, I mean, but the thing is that those, some of these fights you're mentioning are, are extremely important anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, it says in the, the, the release about the book, you're inviting uh, your readers to a faith that's a lot less easy and comfortable, that's bought more real and actually more, it's, it's worth something. What, uh, how does one find that faith? What is your, what, I mean, that kind of faith? What, what is your advice in the book? What, how, how does it come out that somebody could say, okay, I want to live a more authentic Christian life? Well, what, what are the steps? Well, I wish I could boil it down to an easy, you know, one first step, second step type of thing. Uh, and I, I don't think it is, I don't, I don't think you can, you can do it quite like that. Uh, I think it's a much more complex issue. Uh, so when it comes to reclaiming the culture or just individually living a more authentic faith, there's, I, I don't think that there's exactly a switch that can be flipped. However, the really basic thing that we have to do, I think, as Christians is to begin by, um, thinking about all of these things that we profess to believe and asking ourselves, and many of them are quite extraordinary and startling even, um, and, but but I, I think we can get so used to it that we don't stop to think about the implications, that we don't stop to think about what we're actually saying, you know. Yeah. And so, but we should, and we should we should ask ourselves, do we really believe this? And, uh, you know, I think there's a number of people who, if they really asked that, themselves that question and they were honest about it, they would say, no, I don't. But if we do really believe it, then, then the next step is, is, to, is to look at our lives and say, okay, does this belief penetrate, infiltrate um, every aspect of my life? 
And it should, obviously, um, but I think for many of us, the answer is no, it doesn't, that there are, whole, there are whole parts of our lives that we have kind of put off in a corner in a separate box and said, well, this is, this is impervious to faith. You know, faith is irrelevant to this, and that's just not, that's just not true. And so we have, to, we have to start figuring out what, what parts of our lives we put into those boxes um, to keep away from faith as if the two things can't come together, and, uh, and I think we have to start there. Yeah. Uh, if you could just take a minute, I, I think your wife is one of the organizers of this conference. And like I said, you and I both uh, are uh, supporters and uh, send our children to Regina Chaley Academy. The conference this weekend uh, is the Catholic Family Conference located online, uh, catholicfamilyconference.com. Starts tonight. So get online and, and register. Uh, Matt's going to be one of the speakers, along with Bishop Strickland, Dr. Scott Hahn, Lila Rose, Father John, Paul Mary. Uh, a lot of others, Stephanie Gray. Um, maybe just spend a minute and talk about why you think this would be a good way for folks to uh, spend some of their weekend. Well, I think, uh, you know, and first of all, what, what else do you have to do? You're trapped in your house. But, uh, <laughs> second of all, I think that this is, you know, you've got so many great speakers touching on, on so many different aspects of it, but um, really this is about, you know, um, navigating the culture, navigating the modern world as as faithful Catholics, and uh, it's just a great place to get resources and information. Um, and it's, I mean, there's, I, I think if you're, it, it'd be hard to find a better way to spend, uh, you know, a couple of days. Um, and so I would really recommend it. Yeah. All right, Matt. Hey, thanks for your time uh, today. Uh, the book is called Church of Cowards, A Wake-Up Call to Complacent Christians, and the event uh, begins this evening with Mass with Bishop Strickland. It's going to be a great event. goes through tomorrow as well. You can find the schedule, you can register, and all the speakers and all the information at catholicfamilyconference.com. Matt Wash, uh, appreciate your time. Nice speaking with you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And it is the end of the show. I have three things, Cecil, to talk about before the music starts and uh, kicks us off the air. First of all, we have an after show uh, where you get to hear a little bit more from Cecil. And uh, not just the news stories, so you get to hear Sissel's commentary on the top stories of the news. And Diane joins us uh, for that as well. So that will be right after the show. Also, do not forget, number two, uh, that today is May 1st. And today is a very historic and important day in the church because uh, the country is going to be re-consecrated to the Blessed Virgin Mary as Mother of the Church. And we're going to be broadcasting uh, the re-consecration by Archbishop Jose Gomez from Los Angeles uh, across EWTN today. Exciting. At 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central, uh, which would be, I guess, 1 o'clock uh, West Coast. But <laughs> we don't have any stations on the West Coast, so uh, it doesn't matter that much. Also, please, please, please go visit our new website. It's really beautiful, and it's there's so much that you can do. And if it asks you where you are and you feel like giving, saying, allowing it to get your location, then it's going to bring you directly to your local station, mm-hmm. your program schedule, information, I guess, about volunteering and events and all that kind of stuff. Have you had a chance to kind of check it out yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've looked at it many times. There's some great pictures on there if you want to see what Dave looks like if you're not watching them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, great, great stuff on there, definitely. Yeah. And also, you'll notice the the image of Our Lady Guadalupe. Yeah. It kind of slowly zooms in on her. It's almost yes. it's real subtle, and that's, that's kind of cool. GRNonline.com, thank you so much to all of our guests and also to Cecil and Diane. In and uh, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. God bless you, and we'll see you for the after show here in a minute. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. 
Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.